And the psalmist David, uh, well before Christ ever appears on the scene, uh, pens some, some wonderful words, and it's all in light of Calvary. And it's a direct picture, an image of what the Son of God would do for each of us uh, on a hill called Calvary. And so we're going to wade through these and, and read these and see how far the Lord let us get. Um, Psalm chapter number 22. And um, verse number 1. Psalm chapter number 22 and verse number 1. If you're there, say amen. amen. The Bible said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and am not silent. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praise of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee, and were delivered. They trusted in thee, and were not confounded. But I am a worm, and no man, a reproach of men, and despised of the people. They that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that He would deliver him, but, uh, excuse me, let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near. For there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a raving and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. But be not thou far from me, O Lord. O my strength, haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth. For thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the congregation. Will I praise thee? The Lord will help me for a little while and I'll explain my title to some of you if you need it. Here in just a moment. But if God will help me for a little bit. I want to start and look into this psalm and preach on this thought. The conviction of Calvary. The conviction of Calvary. Would you please pray with me and please pray for me this morning. Father, now we need your help this morning. God, I pray, Lord, that you would bind every devil in hell. I pray, God, Lord, that you would allow the Spirit of the Lord to be, Lord, more than evident in this place and in this preaching. I pray, dear God, Lord, now for liberty, God, to declare what thus saith the Word of God. Lord, I know in myself I'm a low-down, no-good-for-nothing, rotten sinner. But God, because I've been saved, Lord, I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. And Lord, behold, all things have become new. God, you've called me. So Lord, now I'm asking you to anoint me and help me this morning. God, please move in my spirit. Lord, move in my mind. Move in my words, Lord. But most of all, God, I pray, Lord, that you'd move in the hearts of your people. God, preach to me. Preach through me, Lord. Please help me this morning. God, I don't want to go out here the same way we came. God, have a, Lord, have a, 
absolute move in a God just please Lord have your way in this place today God I'll thank you for everything that you do in Jesus name and for his sake and all the Lord's people said amen and amen you may be seated briefly if I could this morning by way of introduction I want to say it is here in our text in Psalm chapter number 22 where we find that God has allowed us to look at Calvary through the heart and the hand of the psalmist uh, David. Can I say this morning, long before Jesus was ever born, I need you to understand that this psalm is not written because Calvary has occurred. This psalm is not written because uh, uh, it's been recorded and, and passed to David, but God, the Holy Ghost, has allowed uh, these words before the cross was ever placed in the ground uh, to come through the heart and the hand of the psalmist David. Can I say God uh, long before Calvary uh, ever come to pass had a shepherd boy, he had a giant killer, he had a heart player and a king, uh, he had a man after God's own heart uh, to pin down the very words and the feelings and the sights uh, and the sounds of a place uh, uh, where the darling son of God uh, uh, would hang on a cross to redeem uh, the entire world of their sin uh, if only they would believe that place uh, my friend this morning is a place called uh, Calvary can I say this morning Calvary ought to mean something to you and me uh, can I say if you're lost this morning. Calvary has a meaning. And it means this to those who are lost. It means there's still hope. And it means there's still help. And it means there's still a place called heaven. My friend that awaits your soul if you'll surrender to the Savior that hung on Calvary. Can I say if you're saved this morning, it means that. You've been saved. It means you've been sealed and secured. It means you've been spiritually circumcised. It means that you've had a second birth. I say my friend when I think of Calvary this morning it brings about a bunch of thoughts and a vast variety of emotions. When I think of Calvary it brings joy. When I think of Calvary it brings grief. When I think of Calvary it brings peace to my heart. When I think of Calvary I feel pain in my heart. When I think of Calvary I think about redemption and the realization of who we are yet who He is. When I think about Calvary, it brings about shouting but it also brings great sorrow. When I think about Calvary, I think about triumph but also think about tears that I've cried thinking about the Lamb of God dying in my stead. But can I say out of everything uh, this morning that Calvary brings to you and I, one thing that it never ceases to bring about is this thought, this this subject, uh, this word of conviction. Uh, my friend Calvary will convict. Uh, my friend Calvary convicts the sinner of being lost in Calvary convicts the saint of being distant or cold hearted or indifferent or dry or what have you. Uh, my friend, may I say Calvary was the place where everything changed for all of time and all of eternity. Can I say without Calvary, there is no Christians. There is no church. There is no confidence this morning. There's no consolation. There's no cleansing. There's no cure. There's no cause. And there's no cross. Had it not been for Calvary, my friend, my friend, my friend, you and I would be headed up straight to hell with no hope of slowing down. May I say nobody has ever seen anything like Calvary in the time past, in time present, or in time concerning the future. My friend, nobody's endured what our Savior endured that day 
at Calvary, nor will they in the days to come. I'm here to tell you this morning that Calvary brings conviction. May I say we're living in a day and hour where not only has the world put away the thoughts of Calvary, my friend, I don't expect no less for the world to push the cross and for the world to push Christ and for the world to push Calvary in a corner somewhere. But my friend, what brings great shame to God Almighty is how the church has concealed Calvary. My friend, making Christianity about everything and everybody but Jesus Christ. May I say the reason folks can't be faithful to church is because they've concealed Calvary. Can I say the reason folks can't ever give yet they love to take is because they've concealed Calvary. The reason folks are so easily offended my friend and looking for a way out is because they've concealed Calvary. The reason nobody can forgive others and they hold bitterness and they hold grudges and they hold malice and envy and strife is because they've concealed Calvary. I'm here to tell you friend if you're looking at the cross you can forgive anybody. If you're looking at the cross you can love anybody. If you're looking at the cross you can offer grace to anybody because at Calvary our bloodstained redeemer offered all the grace the mercy, the kindness the love and the long suffering not just for you and I but for the sin of the whole world. I'm telling you something that my friend ought to stir in the depths of your soul a conviction ought to hover over your heart when you take a look at Calvary I'm here to tell you this morning as long as your life is centered around you that Calvary will never be seen in you are you hearing me this morning as long as Calvary my friend as long as your life is centered on you Calvary will never be seen in you you know what it is to be a Christian don't you it's to be like Christ can I say when all this world sees is the anti-characteristics of the cross and the anti-characteristics of Calvary and anti-characteristics of Christ. They have no desire, my friend, to know who it is that we love and who it is that we serve. But my friend, a real Christian will live his life in light of the Calvary. A real Christian will offer things in light of Calvary. A real Christian will sacrifice things in light of Calvary. I'm telling you this morning, Calvary was a self place. Calvary was a sacrificial place. Calvary is a sobering place. Calvary is a sovereign place. Calvary is a saving place. Calvary is a settling place. My friend, the reason you write this down, the reason most people don't respond the right way when they hear preaching on Calvary is because they spent more time bringing shame to the cross than they have been ashamed before the cross. I'm telling you you can preach on everything and people all over America get up and come unglued. But you preach on Calvary and you'll find out just who's really close to God. My friend, most people can't rejoice over Calvary because they brought more shame to that cross than they had been ashamed beneath the cross. But if you lay at the foot of the cross and you look up at a bloody Savior and you'll live your life in thanksgiving and honor to whom honors due and you'll live clean before the cross and you'll live honest before the cross and you'll live sanctified, separated before the cross you can rejoice over Calvary Calvary does bring about conviction most Christians bring more shame to Calvary. Then instead of, you know what we should be? We should bow at the foot of the cross at Calvary ashamed. Not bring more shame. We should be already ashamed. Y'all with me, ain't you? It's here in our text. I 
I imagine you already picked up on it that uh, we find one of the greatest pictures in all my opinion in all the Bible of just what Calvary meant uh, for our Savior uh, and if the Lord will help me this morning I want to go through this and we probably won't get very far uh, but if he'll help me I want to go through this text and I want to preach a very simple thought but want to help us uh, I want to preach on the conviction of Calvary uh, the conviction of Calvary look with me in verse number 1 uh, again who's writing it's David this is not Jesus Christ uh, this is the shepherd this is the giant killer uh, my friend the heart player a man after God's own heart uh, a friend of God uh, this is David long before Jesus was ever even born uh, but look what he says in verse 1 he says my God my God uh, why hast thou forsaken me uh, why art thou so far from helping me uh, and from the words of my roaring oh my God uh, I cry in the daytime but thou hearest not and in the night season and am not silent uh, can I say it concerning God of uh, the conviction of Calvary first of all I want you to see the withdrawal at Calvary uh, there's a great withdrawal at Calvary uh, my friend it's here at Calvary uh, for the first time God the Father and God the Son uh, are not abiding together in unity uh, may I say it's here at Calvary for the first time uh, not only has God turned his back on Jesus uh, uh, but now for the first time uh, uh, the Son of God can't be heard uh, by his Father uh, can I say this morning uh, despite the echoes uh, of his cries something uh, sounding throughout all of eternity and only returning back to that hill called Calvary Void uh, of no response can I say uh, brother Caleb it's convicting me uh, uh, that Jesus Christ uh, hanging there alone on the cross uh, are you with me friend uh, I mean God's turned the lights out uh, God the Father's turned his back uh, God the Father's turned his hearing off uh, God the Father's let Jesus uh, uh, be separated uh, uh, from unity and fellowship uh, uh, because he had taken our sin uh, and placed it upon himself uh, and for the first time uh, when Jesus cries out to the Father there's no response uh, uh, but hear me and hear me well I'm convicted this morning because uh, uh, some of us uh, uh, when we cry my God the first time uh, uh, that's all we're willing to give uh, if we feel like God's turned his ear to us uh, uh, my friend we'll stop and soul up but our Savior uh, despite the echoes uh, of his own voice ringing throughout eternity uh, with no response cries out uh, uh, another time uh, and another time uh, and another time uh, may I say Jesus uh, did not lose faith uh, confidence or trust uh, in his father uh, my friend for that was our cry that was our void uh, Jesus knew uh, uh, that the vacancy on Calvary was our vacancy it was our void uh, it was our separation my friend uh, and Jesus took our place at Calvary there is no communication may I say that ought to convict you that ought to convict you many times can I say we accuse God of withdrawing from us According to that Bible, he can't do it. Can I say many times, I believe we mistake God withdrawing from us for God simply wanting us to learn how to wait. God's nowhere near me. Sure he is. Sure he is. But you may not be near him. How's that possible? Well, because God changes not. But my friend, you can withdraw. You can walk away. But can I say, because Jesus endured a withdrawal at Calvary where God the Father withdrew Himself from the presence of His only begotten darling Son. My friend, that's why the Word of God gives you and I a promise. He said that He'd never leave us nor forsake us. He said He'd always be right there even unto the end of the 
world. Uh, can I say it ought to convict you and I, uh, my friend, that Jesus Christ, uh, uh, the Lamb of God without spot uh, and without blemish, was willing uh, uh, to hang alone at Calvary just so you and I would never have to know how that feels. Nobody here ever needed God called on him and he wasn't there. He's always there. But Jesus experienced the withdrawal at Calvary. His father withdrew himself. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We understand these are David's words, but they're also the exact words of Christ. Isn't that amazing? David's penning this psalm and he don't, he don't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to read. Right, right, yeah. He's never heard this story, so to speak, of Jesus crying out, saying, my God, my God, why suffer? So he, he's never heard all this, but the Holy Ghost gave him insight. Aren't you thankful for a Bible, my friend? My friend, we... Jesus through all of it uh, from Genesis or Revelation and it's all because of a hill called Calvary that you and I don't have to experience the withdrawal secondly I want you to understand something there's great conviction when you look at Calvary not only do we see the withdrawal at Calvary but secondly I want you to see the worship at Calvary is everybody listening the worship Look at verse 3. Psalm 22. David's writing. He said, But thou art holy. O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. He said, Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted in thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. I need you to hear me this morning. It's all to convict you when we look at Calvary. My friend, not only do we see that God has has withdrawn himself from Jesus. Uh, but now we see uh, as the psalmist writes, despite the withdrawal, our lovely Savior continued to worship. Uh, uh, can I say it's right here that Calvary brings great conviction. In verses 1 and 2, God forsakes him, turns a deaf ear to his cries. Uh, yet in verse number 3, uh, we read these words, but uh, thou art holy. You better hear me this morning. Uh, and hear me well, what our Savior done uh, here at Calvary, it convicts me. Uh, oh, it brings conviction to me. Uh, and it ought to bring conviction to you. Uh, may I say at Calvary, Jesus became all the sin of the entire world. He's forsaken by the Father, but yet uh, He lifts up holy hands. Uh, and he lifts his heart to God. He says, I know you've turned on me, but thou art holy. My God, I begin to think about the times that I am guilty of coming in church and my life just not being everything I want it to be. You with me? And I want worship. I'm convicted. I sat over in my office last night. I had to come back over here to get the baptistry filled up. When I was in there, I went to my office and I had most of this typed up. I don't know why, Brother Caleb, but God told me. I want you to write it all down. So there's 16 of these. I sit in my office. I ain't saying this give accolades or nothing like that. I sit in my office till almost 3 o'clock in the morning. Sitting right over there just me and God. And he started reminding me of Sundays I come in. Took the day off. Started reminding me of times when Things weren't always as I would hope they would be. And I would come in and I would do what I was supposed to do, but my heart was not in worship towards God. Oh, oh, he let me see him hanging on that cross. 
But from my sin, my friend looked like a, didn't even look like a man. He was beaten and bloodied and spat upon and beaten and cussed. My friend, God heard not his cries. He could not feel the presence of God, even though he was God, because the Father had withdrawn himself. But God showed us in the scriptures yet, in the worst, most suffering, hardest time of any man's life forever, our Savior says, But thou art holy. And I begin to think, this might bother you. I begin to think about some of y'all, how you been acting. I ain't getting mad. I'm going to tell you what I've done. Two o'clock in the morning, some of y'all is getting wept over, prayed over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Lord. Because I know where you are. You don't think I do, but I know. Exactly right. Your heart's far from God. Your heart's far from this church. Preach now, preach. Come on, preach. I'm just telling and I don't care if because God told it to me. And I begin to think if you just look at Calvary, all these little petty things that you're ticked off about and whining about and don't leave the church over and talking about everybody, if you just look at Calvary for half a minute, you would have time to worry about all that. I, I didn't get mad and bitter at nobody. I, I went I, I leaned over my desk, over my Bible, my notepad at 2, 3 o'clock this morning. And I said, oh, God, if you don't do nothing, God, please let me preach this. Like you preaching it to me. God, take our church back to Calvary. God, may they quit seeing every little thing. Nothing ain't going their way. But, God, if you would, show them what you went through. I'm telling you, nobody that can fathom what the lovely land that the Lord Jesus Christ went through. Yet he lifted up holy hands. And he said, God, thou art holy. And I'm going to ask you what your excuse is. Why do you have more of a reason to not worship? For your heart to be far from God and far from the church. Why do you have more of a reason than Jesus did? Bless your name, Lord. The fact is, we don't. I don't care if we all went bankrupt tomorrow and our cabinets emptied out and our pantries were void and we all had to gather together here just to have a roof over our head. I'm here to tell you, neighbor, if ever one of us got what we really deserved, there is a real blistering bullet in our hell that you and I ought to be in this morning. But Jesus was forsaken. There was a withdrawal Calvary. And even with the weight and the withdrawal of Calvary on the back of our Savior, he still worships the Father for his holiness. Amen. Amen. I've got some big, I've got some big problems in my life. What, what about this? I'm gonna apply this to me and my family. Well, preacher, I'm just so burnt down because people I love didn't see it. He was covered in it. Yes, sir. You're right. I want you to think if this was the whole world, how much sin this room brought and put on our Savior's back. Just all your sin and all my sin. God, who knows? Who knows how much that could? Who knows? But not just this room. Not just this community. Not just this state. Not just this country. But from sea to shining sea. Every language. Every kindred. Every tongue. I'm talking about every child molester. Every pedophile. Every shamite. Every homosexual. Every murderer. Every witch. Every sorcerer. I'm talking about from the drunk up to the country boy. I mean, every sexual sin, every violent sin, every demonic sin, every addicting sin, every, every sin you can ever imagine. I lamb took it upon himself and became that sin and still worshiped his father. Amen. Good. 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 
God convicted me of this. Thank you, Lord. So now my not my, my like this because people think that preachers are spiritual superheroes and they never mess up. But I, dear God, I I thought about the times that I let my sin. Come on, preacher. This is pretty common in the church. Somebody else's sin lock it down. Keep you from praising. But I'm guilty of letting my sin be down. Sorry. But I mess up Monday through Saturday just like y'all do. Right. There's been days, I hate to tell you, but I've come in here on Sunday with my sin weighing me down by the way it's done, been bought and paid for, it's been forgiven, and the only reason we feel that way is because the Holy Ghost lives in us, convicting us, because we've sinned again against the cross, crucified him afresh, and anew again over and over and over in our lives. He don't see sin, thank God, but we know it's there, and it puts distance, it puts a withdrawal between us and being able to feel him. How many times have we come in and pouted over things, all we had to do was repent of the things anyhow. I'm going to tell you, don't let somebody else see it. Keep you from worshiping and yeah. don't let your own see it. Keep you from worshiping. Yeah. Don't let somebody else's problems keep you from worshiping. Don't let your problems keep you from worshiping. It ought to convict us that the most tragic day on planet Earth is at Calvary and our Savior still worships. Yeah. Thou art holy. Yeah. I know you're not here listening to me, Father, but I wonder how many of y'all can do that. How many of y'all, let me ask you a question. Gonna be like Jesus? How many of y'all would praise him knowing he was tuning you out? It's what the thought and idea. He didn't have his feelings on his shoulders like we do. Because we don't have patience to wait on God. He knew that for the first time in eternity. By the way, that's you know way back there where there's no beginning. Right. Way down there where there's no ending. Yeah. Yes, sir. For eternity, they have been one. I and my father, the Bible said, are one. They have been one. For forever. How long is forever? Forever. No beginning, no ending. But on this day, right. turns his back, sure closes his ears, sure turns his face, Thank you, Lord. tells the angels to stand down. <laughs> all, the heaven, all the heavens on the edge of their seat, fix them to come down and take this place over. Yeah. 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 Fix them to obliterate them soldiers that's cussing their Savior. Yeah. The Lamb of God, they're fixing to lock them out. God the Father says, Stand down. Yeah. And all that is leaning over and they're listening. Yeah. And through the echoes of time and eternity comes a voice. And it's the Lamb's voice. Yeah. And he says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He stands in angels. Boy, do you hear me? God, don't you hear me down there? He's crying for you. Oh, I'm talking about I'm convicted. Don't you hear him? He's hollering for you. Can we go get him? Please, like they can't do that to him. Let's go get him! And all their hearts are broken. God, the Father's heart's broken. God, the Son's heart's broken. And then, right after those cries, he said, But thou art holy. And still, God stands with his back to Calvary. Then he hears another, another cry comes forth and he sounds something like this. Father, forgive them. Yeah. Well, they know not what they do. Thank you, Lord. 
Oh, I'm trying to tell you this morning that Calvary brings conviction. Yeah. The worship of Calvary. Ask yourself. You got your Bible open, don't you? Will you read this for us, Brother Caleb? Read verses uh, read verses uh, four and five. Our father, our father trusted in thee. They trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee, and were delivered. They trusted in thee, and they were not confounded. Now listen. Here he is forsaken. He's forsaken. God's ears and face and backs to him. He's still worshiping him. Despite the withdrawal. Now let, let me say something. Not only is he worshiping God for being holy, but then he starts giving honor to who honors do and praise him not for what he's doing or done for himself, but for the ones before him. Exactly right. The fathers. You know men like Abraham. Yes, sir. That God never ignored. Right. You know, men like Isaac, whom God never ignored, or the great patriarch Moses, whom God led through the Spirit, and by the Spirit through the wilderness, and gave the two tablets of stone to, and a part of the Red Sea. Men, men like Enoch. Right. And Elias. Elijah. Yes. Elisha. You with me? Noah found grace. He sure did. Yeah, Sorry, drunkard, stupid. No! He found grace and he didn't hold it. Get out of the world being destroyed. He was back drunk and naked. God showed him grace. Thank you, Lord. Let me ask you, you really want to be like, how, how much like Christ are you? Because when God, what you feel is a withdrawal, which ain't, your worship stops. How many of y'all, even when God's not answering your prayers, can worship Him based on Him answering other people's prayers? Yes, sir. Yes. God, hear my prayers. Won't you start blessing His name for hearing somebody else's? Amen. Amen. You're praying for your husband, your wife, your condition, your this, your that, and it don't feel like it's making it past the ceiling fan. But so and so over here is standing up shouting every Sunday that God's heard their prayer. flesh and blood were stained by God counted as unto righteousness and here's Jesus Christ and God won't even hear him because he became you and me can I say that most people won't even praise and worship God for the things he has done for them let alone what he's doing for others we're living in a day and hour that expects God's blessing. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what the blessing is of the New Testament. It's not, it's not prosperity. No, the blessing in the Old Testament is cattle and land and riches. And the blessing in the New Testament to be like Christ is persecution and suffering. That's the blessing. It ain't things. No. Y'all with me, ain't you? It ain't prosperity. It ain't riches and wealth and fame and fortune and lands and herds and uh, kinsmen. And it ain't none of that. It's for somebody to look you dead in your eyeballs and lie to you and betray you and cut you and backstab you and run you down and talk about you and talk about your church and talk about your God and make fun of your family. Make fun of the Bible. Put you down. Run you up. Over, wander around on top of you. That's the blessing because that's when you're most like Jesus. Yeah. That's where you really find out who He is. Yep. What it is to be a Christian. It's not when you're on the mountain, it's when you're as low in the mud as you can go. 
Listen to me. You say, I've never been this low before. You're just now starting to scratch the surface of how Jesus feels. How he failed at Calvary. Thirdly, I'm going to give you three and finish tonight. Or maybe. Look with me in verse 6. The conviction of Calvary. Don't his worship convict you? Don't that withdrawal convict you? Because that wasn't for him to go through. That was for us. Withdrawing the worship. But look at verse 6. He said, Psalms 22, But I am a worm. <laughs> There's a part of me there last night. I looked up. I said, No, you're not. You're my Savior. Don't talk about yourself like that, God. You know what he said? No. I was a worm. God, that, that, the please don't say that. It offends me, Lord. But that's what I had to become in order to redeem you. And I had to become a worm. He said, but I am a worm and no man a reproach of men and despised of the people. We know that's true, don't we? Because the Bible said he was despised and rejected of men. He came unto his own and his own received him not. He became a worm. Not only do we see the withdrawal at Calvary and the worship at Calvary, but I want to talk about the worm at Calvary. There's a worm here. There's a worm at Calvary on a cross. It's the Son of God that's became as a worm. And I say at Calvary, the only begotten Son of God was made lower than the lowest of men. Notice what he said in verse 6. He said, I am a worm and no man. Pay attention to that. You know what that means? He is lower than the lowest of men. When a worm, he, when he became a worm, he became of no value. Listen to me this morning. I'm talking about our Savior and Calvary. He became of no value. He became of no worth. He became of no importance. He became beneath the feet of the most filthy, vile, rotten sinner on planet earth. Can I say even the Pharisees would honor Abraham? And at Moses and those patriarchs. Uh, but my friend, yet uh, the one that spoke this of Abraham and said, Are you not? Are we, he, they said, Are we not of our father Abraham? And he said, Hey, I want to tell you something. Before Abraham was, I am. And that's the one that became a worm. Uh, can I say, when he became a worm, uh, he became a blasphemer. That's what they accused him of. Uh, he became a Sabbath breaker. He became a liar and a wine bibber. He became a, a false prophet. He became a worm so he could die in our stead. He was none of those things. Yet they accused him of it. And when he got on that cross, he became everything. They accused him of being. And I say to the crowd gathered together around the cross at Calvary, our blood-stained Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, was a man not even worth taking notice of. He was a worm. A worm means absolutely nothing to anybody in this building. And I say in his own country, he had no reputation. He was accused of deceiving others and deceiving himself. He was laughed at, doubted, neglected, mocked and ridiculed. Look in verse 7, Psalm 22. This is Calvary, David's writing. Verse 7 said, All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying, He trusted on the Lord that He would deliver him. Let Him deliver him. Seeing He delighted in him. Sounds a whole lot like Matthew 27, 42 and 43 to me. It says He saved others Himself He cannot save. 
If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. Verse 43, Matthew 27, 43. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. You'll see the gospel of Matthew and the psalm of David. They go together. It's Calvary. It's Calvary. What we find at Calvary, the worm. There's a withdrawal. There's worship. But the one doing the worshiping is a worm. Can I say all these things come to pass? You know what the Bible said? And yet, he opened not his mouth. Brother Chris. And I say it's Jesus Hung on that cross, a worm. How long was he made a little lower than the angels? He was made lower than the low down, the most low down dirt bag. The foul sinner that's ever walked on the earth. He became a worm under their foot. Yet we struggle with our own egos, our own pride. We struggle with someone taking or not taking notice of us. As preachers, many struggles delight on them or all. favored, popular, or not. Can I tell you, all that stuff belongs in hell. If you're really going to take on the characteristic of Christ and be a Christian, you look in that mirror every day. When you see Calvary, you'll think to yourself, if my God who has been so kind and good to me would become a worm. And I will to be a worm as well. A nothing. A nobody. Preachers, if your aim is for people to know your name, you're going to die. If it's our aim, men, as preachers, to get our face put on a poster, but if you go down on your own you see yourself say I'm a worm I'm going to be in hell it's amazing that God lets you tell anybody anything you go down on God then will lift you up he'll use you and you won't even know you won't even know just how much he's using you God don't let us know that we see one or two say, we say, well, God, excuse me, but there's a whole lot more that's been going on for the last six months that you ain't never going to know about until you get there. God won't let us see all that. Because if we're going to be like Him, we've got to be a word. A nothing. Ain't nobody. If you feel like somebody owes you something, Listen loud and clear. You're not thinking like Jesus. So and so owes me an apology. Really? The only thing owed to us is a place called hell. We esteem ourselves as something. And really, we're nothing. The old song says it has a speck of dirt. That's all I am. I ain't nothing. And you're nothing. Our Savior became as nothing. So you and I, when He looks at us, we're counted as not just something. We're counted as somebody. You're saved this morning. Not only are you an heir to God, you're a joint heir. Exactly right. 
with Jesus Christ. But it's nothing that you and I can have ever done. It's because our Savior became a word at Calvary. And friend, listen, that convicts me. There was a withdrawal that I'll never have to experience at Calvary. And that convicts me. There was a form of worship I'll never be able to compare or relate to because I'll never be in the position and you'll never be in the position that Jesus Christ was in. Yet he worshiped. He looked up and said, But thou art holy. And by the way, thank you for taking care of all my forefathers. Moses, Elijah, Elisha, David, Noah, Amy, Jeremiah, Prophet Isaiah, and Ezekiel. Boy, thank you, Lord, for providing for old Daniel. You deliver them. I know you're not going to deliver me, Lord. He doesn't ask in the garden if it be possible. Let this cut pass. He said, if not, not my will, but thine be thine. He knew there was no deliverance, Brother Sean. He had to do the cross. But he did not focus on his life of God to deliver him. He worshiped God for delivering his fathers. Those that had went before him in the line and range of the Lord Jesus Christ. Coming from David. Y'all with me, ain't you? Yes, sir. Born in a little old place nobody even knew existed called Bethlehem. Hey, think about it. Even from his birth, he was a nothing. Right. Didn't even have a proper birth. Get and glorify God in his body and his spirit and in his mind, which were the Lord's. He was tempted in all points as we are yet without sin. Thank you, Lord. The worm and Calvary. You know what he does? Convicts me. I wonder who convicts. Anybody else this morning? It's all staying, Father. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to preach. I pray, God, you'll take this message. Use it for thy glory and thy honor. Bless the invitation. May folks do business with you. In Jesus' name, amen.